Alright, welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast brought to you by Twisted T and my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Falls on Twitter. What's up, yo Tennessee Homer? <laughs> hey buddy, what's going on? Uh, you know what I should have also said, Shane. We are brought to you by mm. Cousin Ollie. That is right. Eagle rare, <laughs> buddy. I tell you what, all all he texted me that night, and uh, you know when can Big Blue fail, you know all he don't like to carry a debt. I knew that he's always the first one to get in his bourbon, and I appreciate. He's a man that. of honor, man of honor, and by God, he went out there and spent some money. Sent me a picture, like I said, he was at Buffalo Trace. Mm-hmm. Got me a cigar here. Unfortunately, I didn't get to smoke my other one because Tennessee blew that one. But appreciate the cigar. But more importantly, brother. Eagle Rare, age 10 years, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, my friend. Yep, from Buffalo Trace. It it is. This is this is some good stuff right here. This ain't your, you know, this ain't the grocery store pick up something before you head out kind of thing. <laughs> Ollie went out, spent some time, spent a lot of money on this. Ollie, I appreciate you paying your debt. One down, four to go, uh, and, and uh, I think we should. I think we should share it, man. I don't huh? know. <laughs> yeah, I'd, yanking your arm to get it going <laughs> yeah. over here. Well, it started. At, uh, we're, I was doing the uh, the unboxing, and, and Mike was like, uh, "You know, are we gonna? You know, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> would you like some?" He goes, "Well, if you're asking." I was like, "Well, yeah, yeah." So we're gonna share us a couple glasses here of uh, fine Kentucky bourbon, and uh, uh, always one of my favorite bets. You know, I. I really do. I, I wish that they would bring back the beer barrel. Yeah. Um, obviously, one of my favorite trophies. And one of the things that, that floats around out there is, especially when Moose was down here at Tennessee, they were holding holding on to the barrel. And so that, that shows me that this trophy is still being passed back and forth from one university to the other. But the fans aren't getting to experience that. Just internal, just the the players and the coaching staff, it sounds like. But, you know, if you're doing that, you might as well just open it up and and, and let's start sharing the bear, beer barrel publicly, don't you think? Oh, man, I'm, I'm dying for it. Yeah, we got to bring it back. But, hey, if they ain't going to do it, we're going to do our own. We're going to do the <laughs> yeah. bourbon bet. Until then, the bourbon bet. So this one's for Cousin Ollie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To Mark Stoops for... Finding a new ways to lose this football game. This one's for you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks for holding on to those timeouts, man. <laughs> mm. Ooh, yeah, baby. that's good. See that? Now that's a good that's a good bourbon right there. Yeah. Do you feel that? Oh yeah. They I call mean, that you know what they call it up there? See, I've been I've been on this bourbon, Kentucky bourbon trail. We've we've gone two years in a row. Yeah. And you know, this is going to turn into a Buffalo Trace commercial here in a second. But we, of all the places we went, this is probably the best place, the the best bourbon, the nicest. Uh, it's a free tour. You go up there, they they give you, they don't give you many samples or, or large samples, but they give you several. Yeah. But they call that uh, a Kentucky hug, that, that <laughs> burn you get. They, yeah, they, they tell you that at every place you go. They get, you feel that burn? That's a Kentucky hug. Kentucky hug. So, which places did you visit up there? All of them. All of them, pretty much. Yeah, so, Buffalo so Trace. So, if you're power ranking, you know, listeners, or you know, Kentucky bourbon is. Uh, I mean, it's it's 
as far as popularity, seems like it's really taken off since yep. COVID, in my opinion. A lot more bourbon drinkers out there. That's when I started to hear about this this trail, yeah. Yeah, so if if you were to give us, uh, as a listener of, you know, saying, hey, we're going up maybe to watch a Kentucky game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be Tennessee, Kentucky. I mean, you know, Mizzou was there. There's other pro Florida was there. You know, if you're up in that area, is there, uh, if you were to power rank your top three distilleries you must visit while you're in Kentucky, what would those be? Yeah, I, I got the, uh, I got a list here of a bunch of them. So definitely Buffalo Trace, which we're consuming at this moment. It's it's outstanding. Um, one that I really liked, Shane, was, um, it's called Jebda Creek. Jebda Creek. And it's like a family-owned business yeah. it, that was really nice um four roses was that was all right it wasn't bad by any means but that was a nice one maker's mark yeah is another nice one uh we went up to lux row that one's a little it's a little kind of fancier right uh that one was pretty pretty oh, wait no lux row is do they charge you for the other ones but buffalo trace or because i've not done it I've most of them there. charge you to go in there, yeah, and they take you on a little tour and they show you the barrels. That, that's right. that's Lux Row. That they just you wouldn't believe it, Shane. They have like Walmart sized buildings, yeah, and several of them, yeah, where they have to, you know, like this is Eagle Rare ten year. They pour this in the barrel and it sits there for ten years, and it's it's not one or two; it's thousands upon thousands. So you got to imagine how many barrels they have and how many years they got to they got to store them, yeah, and they're putting them in these Walmart sized buildings. Uh, it's it's pretty remarkable to go see. I, I definitely recommend it. Um, but what was the the one that I I really liked? Um, well, Bullet Bullet was another really Bullet? nice Bullet Distillery. Okay. That's another good one. Um, and that's that's not as fancy as what we're drinking here. That's more of a I like Bullet because it's like an affordable, mm-hmm. good quality one. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I wrote a podcast, Shane. I don't, I don't get this high-end Eagle Rare that often. You know what I mean? Well, I'm going back. I wanted to see what, you know, what was the score in 2013 since we're drinking 10-year-old whiskey, you know, and this was barreled up. You know, it's 2714 balls up there in Lexington. Well, it doesn't matter the year, Shane. We know who won. 36 <laughs> out of 39, you know what? There's a reason that they make the <laughs> finest alcohol in the United States, Mike. <laughs> and I will say this, Shane. I, um, I wasn't particularly a huge fan of the of the city of Louisville. Yeah, but really, oh well. If you good. if you go there, yeah, they do have a, a nice downtown area. Yeah, and you can hit up like six distilleries, seven, maybe even more. I can't remember how many we did that day, but there are several. In the downtown area, yeah. So if you're wanting to knock out several, that that would be my recommendation to, to head, head out there and, and check that out. Mm-hmm. But I preferred, and I think you would too, Shane, more of the laid back, you know, out on their own land. That's why I really like Jeb the Creek because you go out there and they got acres upon acres. They got an outdoor co- concert area, restaurant, yeah. And you're isolated and you're just just chilling. And and that's the same as Buffalo Trace. It's not not in the middle of a city, you know. Yeah. Well, I I went to I've been to Louisville. I went there once. We stayed at the the Galt House, hmm. and um, I did. I, we went over to Cassius Clay's place, Louisville Slugger. Yeah. Did all that. Okay. Um, you know, obviously a lot of Derby stuff going on up there as well. But the Slugger place is cool. Yeah, we went, went to Yum Center. 
uh, checked it out and everything. Garbage, garbage school. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? But I, I will say they know how to cook. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Brother, they, they know how to cook. No, Kentucky is, I don't think, gets the respect it deserves for as far as locations, game locations. And unless you get to go up there and experience, make make a week of it or at least a long weekend of it and try to get one of those bourbon trails in or uh like you said something there's all kinds of cool stuff up there in kentucky to check out so uh yeah yeah but what they specialize in is what ollie <laughs> just sent me and i'll tell you what that is some fine bourbon brother yeah no doubt well buddy we got a show to do we can sit here and talk bourbon and just <laughs> yeah. drink all, all people along, listening are like wait a minute right? is this a knockout or spinoff on the SEC podcast well we got some uh, outstanding guests on this one shane we got my buddy t bob a bear LSU legend, former player. He does. He's got like ten other jobs. Yeah. ESPN, uh, uh, Baton Rouge Radio, on and on and on. Nate Edwards, Rock M Nation, preview yeah. Missouri, Georgia. Talk a little LSU, Alabama with T Bob. But before we get to that, Shane, we got some mailbag questions yeah. as always. But before we get to that, uh, I just had to bring this up once again, Shane, because this is this ain't. I anticipate we're gonna get more of this because it's. It's a long time to Saturday. Yeah. But we got Lane Kiffin opening the week with the troll of Jimbo. We're in the middle of the week. He's trolling Jimbo. Uh, he was asked about <laughs> this Texas A&M team, brother. He said, this is the best. This has got to be the most talented 5-3 and three team out there. And not not this season. He says ever. Ever. The most five- to ever <laughs> exist in college football <laughs> history. Just going on and on about the players they have. And, oh, yeah, I asked about their incredible losing streak on the road. He said, I don't know, but I, I'm enjoying it. So, <laughs> I mean, this, you're just not getting this stuff from uh, any of these coach press conference moments. But it's no. it's quite clear that he is uh, he's no fan of Jimbo. No fan of Jimbo. But let me ask you, is there a part of this? Maybe he's just kind of setting up expectations just in case Ole Miss does trip up here. Ooh, little ever, 4D chess there, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm just wondering because now he can say, well, I've been trying to tell you all week, you know. You know what I think it is? Yeah. I think he knows that these comments and these things get to Jimbo. Yeah. And it and it messes with him. Yeah. Because I think, because as you can tell with Kiffin, like he needles the people that he knows. Right. Like we, we talked about Alabama, Nick Saban. He knew there was turmoil behind the scenes. Right. So he was stoking that flame. Now it blew up in his face. Yeah. And it very well could this week as well. But you never you never see him talk trash about Sam Pittman. Right. You never see him talk trash about Mike Leach. Yeah. Or Zach Arnett now. You know what I mean? Like he is being very calculated. Right. I think with what he's doing. And uh, I may, think but again, he makes it he makes it an emotional game too, which could be good, could be bad. You know, bad means like no foot off the gas. They're blowing you out, and and, and that's what happens in some of these emotional games. Right, uh, you just throw the analytics out. So, <laughs> and I don't know, man. This this game is quickly moving up the intriguing list. And what's funny is, is if things had gone well for Texas A and M, this may be one of the games we're leading off. You know, not just these other two matchups that we're going to get to. So, right, this this could be the best game this weekend. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be right there. So, well, let's get to the mailbag question, Shane. And we got one from our buddy Stephen Lassen. I love this question. You ain't going to be ready. You know, a lot of these uh, these questions are are pretty off the wall. But Stephen, is he throwing numbers at me? No, no numbers. Oh, okay, 
Well, yeah, there's a couple numbers. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, we know Steve. You know? <laughs> uh, this, so this is, this is going to be a good one, Shane. Do you have a player or two having an underrated season that is deserving of more attention that is not getting uh, you know, that national attention, so to speak? Anyone stand out to you in the SEC having a, maybe gets uh, not getting the respect they deserve Anyone come to mind for you? You go first. You have you. You got somebody in mind? Because uh, yeah, and I think he's the X factor. I don't steal, steal in one of the big games this weekend, Shane. It's okay. LSU running back Logan Diggs. Okay. Because everybody's looking at Jane Dales for yeah. good reason. He's Heisman candidate. Malik Neighbors. You know, you ask an LSU fan, he's the best receiver in the nation. Right. He's very very close. I'm not saying he's not, but I, you know how I like Luther Burden. But Malik Neighbors, they got. Brian Thomas, they got Mason Taylor. I mean, they got all these weapons. I think the running back, Logan Diggs, is he, he didn't play against Florida State. I think I was big in that game. Yeah. And since he's come on, they've been damn near unstoppable on the offensive side of the ball. So he is one that stands out to me. Uh, anyone on on the top of your mind, not just not getting a, enough respect nationally. Nationally, and I think it's just a product of the situation is Tennessee's running back room, man. I mean, you you look at the numbers, and no Tennessee Vol is leading the country in rushing because there's three of them back there. Yeah, they play the hot hand, and all three of those guys can be starters for a lot of programs that are in the SEC right now. Mm-hmm. So, right, small, uh, Samson. I think you know you you take one of those guys and you move them somewhere else, or or you just give them all the. I mean, because. One day, one week it's all right, and then and then next week it's not. It's it's, it's right. So I'm giving the fresh. whole room absolutely of the, of the Tennessee Vols and what they've been able to do, and even games where there was no no passing, it was everybody's dialed in, the box is loaded, and those boys still found way uh, to to move the change. So, how about this one, Shane? I got, I got another one that came to mind, mm-hmm. and I gave this guy a hard time in the off season. And it was nothing personal, but you got to pick someone last in all your rankings. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's always one. How about Graham Mertz for Florida? Where would Florida be without Graham Mertz? Yeah. And I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the SEC or anything. Uh, he does, you know, he's got an incredible completion percentage. I think a lot of that has to do with they don't push the ball down the field, but he's completing the, what's what's asked of him. Yeah. And I, Florida, I think they may hell they probably have a losing record without yeah. Graham Mertz and the way he's been playing. he he won them the South Carolina game he was very efficient against Tennessee particularly on third downs um i i don't, I don't think he's getting enough respect nationally for what he's doing yeah no that's a good one man and speaking of quarterbacks my last one here you know we got a we got two monumental games coming up this weekend and uh that that really could change the entire landscape of of SEC football this season, and the quarterback they're talking least about is Brady Cook, and yeah. I, I would I would say that he is another one that should be on this list. This is a guy that even some of the fans shit on at the start of the season that really has taken a step forward and become a X factor for that program and and kind of the reason why we think that this may be a ball game this weekend. So. Uh, you do that by by just growing with your boys, and and that's exactly what he's done. He's not he's been very impressive from from what I thought week one to here. I, just the progression in this season alone, the guy has taken some some big steps forward. I got one more for you. Yeah, the hitman. 
I don't even know yeah. if that, I don't even know if that's his name, but we we've, we've given it to him. Landon Jackson down oh, there at one. Arkansas defensive end. Because Arkansas is struggling, you know, everybody that doesn't follow it thinks, oh, they're just awful, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But they're not seeing that the defense made huge strides. Yeah. If we if we just had a competent offense, and it sickens me to even say that, because all offseason we said, if we just have a competent defense, yeah. this is gonna be a winning team. But it, it's re- reverse. It's the offense that couldn't get going without Landon Jackson. And he's not doing it all himself, but right. he has stepped up big time mm-hmm. for the Arkansas defense. And I don't think he's getting enough respect nationally. Mm. Those are good, man. Yeah. You could we could pick a couple more diamonds in the rough. <laughs> we keep keep drinking beer and whiskey here, you know. <laughs> all right, how about uh Ash? You know who would be real good. <laughs> all right, how about Ashley? Big, big follower of oh, yeah, Gator, Gator yeah. fan. Which fan base? Do you think wants their coach fired the most? I mean, that's a, that's a good one right there. You know what? Wants their coach fired. I mean, we were talking to a Mississippi State fan today. He was I, he was ha- be happy to get rid of Zach Arnett. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just one fan though. But uh, I don't know. Is is it Mississippi State? If, I mean, I went on a Texas A and M show today, Shane, mm-hmm. and they were like, "We hear you, but." Schedule's tough next year. We're afraid we'll if he if he yeah. leaves, all these players are gonna jump in the right. like they're making excuse they're making the excuses for him. Connor Wigman got hurt. What if he didn't get hurt? So yeah. it seems like the Aggies are are kind of circling the wagons around Jimbo for some reason. But I, I don't they know. Are, man, I told you. There's half the half Texas A and M or is is like in the SE, like they're they're out. They're done. Right. You know, let's get a new coach. And the others are you know, that's just the standards just real low or something. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't quite understand it. But it's kind of funny because you asked fan base. And if I'm saying if I'm polling the fan base, I think Mississippi State's leading the pack here. More than Arkansas? Yeah. Because I've seen yeah. some, some people out Arkansas's on Sam. Arkansas's there, but, but there's still a lot of people that really like Sam, ourselves included, you know. Right, right. Um, now, if this podcast was picking the next coach to get fired, it's Jimbo Fisher. Down there in Texas A&M. Should have already been fired. Absolutely. No no thread. He's not coming to my booth. He's not coming to our booth uh, next media days, even though we'll be in Texas. Uh, We we welcome Sark to that booth. Absolutely. All right, how about this one? Uh, uh, An Aggie right here, Trevor Garza from Houston. I like that he said, I'm an Aggie from Houston. He spelled it out for me. If A&M defeats Ole Miss Mm -hmm. on Saturday, how drastically does that improve the quality of a of a bowl uh, that come December January? And, and I think what he's in a roundabout way, Shane, he's saying, "Hey, if we can beat number ten on the road, yeah." I think what he's really hammering at: can we beat LSU? Yeah. If let's say let's just play out this scenario, Shane, LSU loses to Alabama on yeah. Saturday. That's very realistic. That could happen. Um, you know, can can we go nine and three and get to like a January bowl? I don't think they can, but if they beat Ole Miss on the road, yeah, then I will flip the script and and say, you know, I I think it's maybe fifty fifty that you can go you can play in a January bowl and go nine and three. Yeah, if you can beat Ole Miss at on the road. What if LSU wins though? Well, then maybe I change my tune, you know. Yeah. But but I'm trying to create a path here to where the, I got you. You know what I mean? If yeah. if LSU is playing for a playoff, playing for the SEC West, they're probably going to kill A and M, you know. But if they're 
out of the right. running. Yeah. That's that's why I'm kind of changing the narrative a little bit. I don't know, man. And, and it's one of the things I feel like the pressure is off for the players. The pressure's never going to be off Jimbo Fisher. He has right. got to and it shouldn't be. No, I agree. I totally agree. And and I'm not saying that Jimbo's should win out or anything like that, but you know, Ole Miss, LSU, those games you cannot get destroyed in, you know? And right. If you find a way to win win those, then you ain't getting fired. If you go out there and you beat Ole Miss, top ten team, you go out and you beat LSU, top four probably team, top five at the time then how can you fire Jimbo Fisher? Because you're beating contenders for the college football playoff. So, right, with yeah. a backup quarterback. With, because then we'll go back and we'll do exactly what the <laughs> other fans are doing, yeah. is make excuses for them, you know. But uh, they got a tough schedule next year, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So I can get on board with that, though. I can't be convinced of that. Yeah. Um, to, last week was a big – it was a big step. I know South Carolina doesn't seem like a huge threat, but – that could have been an embarrassment and a step forward in the right direction. Yep. All right, how about this one from Trey Tucker, Arkansas fan? Yeah. Did Cousin Shane take you to Dollywood for your birthday? <laughs> and if not, where did he take you? He, you took me out to a, a local Mexican restaurant. It was a good time. See, si, see. Si. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it because my wife does not love authentic Mexican food. Right. So when she's not in the picture... I'm hitting up those restaurants she don't want to go to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mike was ready to rock and roll. We had an absolute blast. And the, the funny part was I was going to pay for everything, and then they'd used my card, and I said, oh, I need to leave a tip. And they said, oh, we've already closed it out. And I was like, well, Mike, <laughs> you got 20 bucks. <laughs> I'm glad you said I was going to leave that part yeah, out. But, no, but that no, happened. That that so Mike actually took me out for his birthday. <laughs> But here's Trey's real question. Yeah. Do you think Arkansas can beat Florida if Kenny Guyton, the new offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, if the offense looks a little bit more like last year? And I think the the reason for optimism that it can is this this was Bryles' receivers coach. Yeah. He worked with them before, so he knows that system. They've had two weeks to prepare. But I think the problem with that, Shane, is I don't think you can just blow up the offense in the middle of the year. Nope. Even with two weeks to prepare. Mm-mm. So can you implement some of those things? Uh, Sam Pittman has already said we're basically going to only utilize 30% of the playbook, which I think is smart. Yeah. Do what your players do best. Just trash the rest because it was something Something was clearly wrong there. Um, I think the the whole key, Shane, and, and I get what, where, where Trey's going with this, but I think the key is to – do whatever those offensive linemen can do mm-hmm. and just do that. Yeah. Because a lot of this drop back, they can't do. Right. Do not do – you do that again, you're screwed. Yep. So maybe, you know, split the difference to what he's saying here. Go quick. Do a lot of read option. Right. Roll KJ out constantly. Mm-hmm. KJ's going to be running for his life one way or another. You might as well have <laughs> rolling looking for options. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's what I see. What, what do you see – uh, from Arkansas against Florida this week? You know, there'll be a few more new wrinkles in this offense. But like you said, they're not throwing out the playbook. You, you can't. There's Time will not allow that. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I, I, I have I been down this whole time? Yeah, right. eh, nobody's listening to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm just thinking 
when you're doing this, Mike, it's like, it's gotta be more about the locker room, you know? And, and, and I feel like, I think if, if Arkansas is going to win here, it's going to take this unit as a unit going down there and saying, Hey, let's, let's play some fucking football. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's grip and rip. Let's, and, and I think as an offensive coordinator, there's a handful of these plays that were implemented for a little bit conservative, maybe hold back, you know, let's move the chains. Let's try to play keep away, that sort of thing. I, I think you just look at your stars and say, hey, man, let's let's play some football, man. Let's get this guy the ball. Let's get this guy the ball, whatever we got to do. And if we ain't got that much time to do it, well, then let's do this play. Let's do this play. Like you said, get the pressure off the offensive lineman and put it back on the defense. So, I mean, the 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 tape's out there on how to beat Arkansas. The tape's out there on how to beat Florida. So, you know, who who corrects it? And is it Arkansas with two weeks to prepare, or is it Florida with one coming off an emotional loss against the Georgia Bulldogs? So I like Arkansas's shot here to to wreak havoc down there in the swamp as they wear those black jerseys in the heat. You know what I'm saying? Right. So and it sounds like uh, as the week goes on, Shane, more and more optimistic. Nothing confirmed, yeah, but more optimistic that Rocket Sanders is back. Yeah, he's practicing. He's from Florida. I think he really wants to play in this game. And I think that's a hell of a sign, Shane, that uh, that he hasn't quit, that none of the players have quit. Yep. But if if there was going to be a player that's quit, it's going to be a star running back that has obviously got a big-time right. future in the NFL. Could have just gave up on this season. You know what? Absolutely, man. What's going on over here? <laughs> Stan, Mike, I've been fighting with it the entire time. Uh, I, I think so. And, and, again, this is what we were talking about, or I was just saying, it's that locker room. You know, you lead by example. And – what better example than a guy that's obviously could take the easy way out and, and, you know, rest and get ready for the NFL. He he's coming back to play for his boys, you know? So, uh, that rejuvenates these guys. So who knows, who knows with this one, this one's a tricky one. Yeah. This one, I am not, if you are a gambler, I ain't putting, I ain't putting, this is not going to be a lock for me. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. All right. How about this question, Shane, from yeah. Brian Parrish. Mm-hmm. Good one. If Georgia or Alabama, does not win the SEC championship, is this the year the college football playoff leaves out the SEC champion, who would obviously not be Georgia or Bama? And I'll tell you why it's no. Because if it ain't Georgia, if it ain't Bama, why not Mizzou? One yeah. loss, Mizzou? Yeah. One loss, Ole Miss? You you'd put both of them in there, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, now I think what he's really getting at though is if it's two loss LSU, if it's two loss Tennessee, then we may have we may have a champ hmm. left out. You know what I mean? I still think LSU. I don't think would, you can leave SEC out. Can you? What if there's so if there's four undefeateds and then there's two loss SEC? So who we got? We got Washington probably. Uh, Ohio State or Michigan, whichever one loses, wins that game. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida State—that's the only. So I guess, yeah. I mean, if Florida State wins out, you know, one of those guys went out, and then Washington. But then, who's your fourth team? What about what if it's Texas? Oh, or Oklahoma? Texas, Oklahoma. They each have one loss. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think you leave a one loss. Would you think one loss Oklahoma would? carry more weight than a two-loss LSU that won the SEC championship over Georgia Bulldogs, potentially Georgia Bulldogs? 
I think it depends on what Florida State does. If Florida State goes undefeated and wins the ACC, yeah, I think you give it to the nod to LSU. You know who pays the bills, right? Because you that's you know you know this. <laughs> He's a, we it's like college man, you yeah, know. Yeah. We're the football team, and they're the, the track and field and basketball. If not for it, no, I'm just kidding. They 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 make some money, but I, I'm just saying, you know, you I don't see how you leave at least the SEC championship out of the college football play, even if they got two losses. Mm. But man, what a what a lot of drama that would be, huh? What if it's I could see actually now that I'm thinking about it, I mean not us, but I think some people in the media, they'd be like, Mizzou? We can't put Mizzou in the you know what I mean? Like yeah. I think they'd be disrespect a twelve and one Mizzou. But they lost at the last second with LSU. Well right down I'm, to the wire. I'm just telling you that I think they'll pick it apart. Yeah, but they would at this point would have a win over Tennessee, have a win over Georgia Bulldogs, and a win over whoever's in the SEC championship. So I mean, they're sitting at twelve right now, right? So yeah. it's not like they're got to move up. I'd, I'm saying I'd put them in. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know about this committee. You know what I mean? They'd be like, oh, well, yeah. Ohio State. Michigan. Well, wait till drink gets on the podium and lets them know. You know? Oh, I love it. I love these potentials, you know? I yeah. mean, who knows how it plays out? I just don't I don't see a scenario where ten, where uh, an SEC team gets left out. All right, how about True Mike, Shane? He asks, when Alabama yeah. beats Georgia yeah. in the SEC championship, and he's he's directing this at me, are you going to eat crow on the show? And that sounds like a bet, doesn't it? Can you eat crow? Well, I'll be honest with you. I'm probably not going to eat a live crow or something. Or a dead crow. I don't, uh, I've don't. i never known anybody to eat a crow. <laughs> right. Can't imagine we'll, that. We'll have to figure out some kind of... Maybe like KFC will <laughs> pretend it's a crow, you know? <laughs> hey, I'll get on that bet. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do something. Yeah, you know? okay. Crow cake or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, so what was the bet again? If Bama beats Georgia in the SEC championship. Bama beats Georgia in the SEC championship. He wants us to eat, a, eat crow. Mike's got to eat some crow. And I'll, I'll join in just just so you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> Has nothing to do with me enjoying fried chicken, you know? <laughs> and then last one from Terry Tucker, Shane. Percentage chance, I think he was listening to the show, that Dabo is the next A&M coach. I don't know. <laughs> hmm. I think Dabo's done. Yeah. I mean, I, he's he's running his mouth out of the damn coaching profession. And the problem with Dabo, Shane, yeah, he he had a great run in a weak-ass league. And, yeah, he beat Bama a couple times, so we can't say those are, like, illegitimate titles. I'm not saying that. But, I mean, he had some great quarterbacks. Great quarterbacks. And he had one hell of a defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. Brent Venables, who now – it's turned Oklahoma around yeah. in two seasons. So, I don't know. And he doesn't embrace NIL. Mm-mm. He hates NIL. That does not sound like a mix with A&M, particularly when Texas, they're just as invested. Yeah. So, we're going to have one program that's all in on NIL. We got Dabo over here saying, you know what I did 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. Who's that sound like? It sounds like the damn coach they got now. Yeah. Minus ENA. I, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole if I was A&M, mm-hmm. would you? No. So, I'd no. say 0%. I won't say zero. I forget A and M. I think there is less than a ten percent shot that Dabo takes any job in the SEC once he once he's out of Clemson. I just 
I feel like that would be a scenario that it would be best to go to the other coast. Maybe grab one of those UCLA gigs or something <laughs> like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I just I, I don't see it. And honestly, I don't see them getting rid of of him either, you know, short of him. I mean, you could see he's imploding a little bit. Yeah. You know, the comments are a little bit fiery, but again, he's he has won a lot of games over there and and you know, you gotta ask, well, who's gonna take that job, you know? Unless Dion wants it. <laughs> nah. Well, speaking of the mountaintop, Shane, all the listeners can get there if they go over to my bookie, sign up for a new account over at mybookie.ag today and put in that promo code that S E C T H A T S E C over at my bookie. They're willing to give you an instant 50% deposit match up to a thousand bucks. So you can have 1500 in your account today. With that promo code, that SEC, over at mybookie.ag today. In the show notes, there is a link. Click that link, sign up. It would really, really, really help us out. We don't ask for much. Come on, be throwing 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever you can spare over at mybookie and fade our picks and reach at mountaintop <laughs> like the rest like the rest of these SEC One teams. You for know? nine. You know, they should be paying me for how bad these picks are. Yep, I still smell the mayonnaise. Get out there and put <laughs> promo code that SEC and start making some money because Lord knows I ain't. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and picks a flavorful punch. 5% alcohol, and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite SEC team. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love of college football. Keep it twisted. But all right, Shay, so that's all the mailbag we got. Let's kick it over. Outstanding interview. My guy T Bob A Bear talk about this LSU Alabama matchup and man he he's fired up on this one. And I speaking of fired up, if you're not familiar with T Bob <laughs> and you got kids in the car, <laughs> you may want to mute this one and listen to it at your office or something. <laughs> we we like to throw some words out there, but you know his free spirit is why he's so popular down there at LSU. Okay, we are joined. For the first time on this show by four LSU legend. I, I, can we call you that? A legend. T-Bob A. Bear. What's up, brother? Mike, what's it look, man? Um, I don't know. I mean, look, how many other two-time scout team players of the week do you know on the 2007 LSU two-loss national championship team? I would say that's legend status. <laughs> Uh, for those that don't know, me and Mike have been doing a ton of work together on Rivals Down South. It's so much fun. Um, I'm so glad that they asked me who, because it's supposed to be with AJ McCarron. He ends up going to the NFL. They're like, well, who should we get on there? I was like, well, there's this guy, Mike. He's like really good at talking about the SEC. And uh, it has been a real pleasure. The only thing that bums me out is that our, the timing's all so tight that we don't get to really like hang out or talk more during the breaks because – Everything I find out about you, we feel like kindred spirits without like love of movies and the SEC and everything. So yeah. I am um I am very, very, very happy to be here, Mike. 
Well, another thing we have in common is our hatred for Alabama. So what, yeah. what's the path to victory for LSU uh, this weekend? Am I allowed to curse, Mike? Absolutely. Okay, because good. Fuck them. That's the <laughs> path, okay? Fuck them. Fuck them all. I'm so sick of Alabama. You know what the path is? Go light their ass up for Jaden Daniels for 400 total yards and four or five more touchdowns. That's the path. Will it happen? I don't know. You're in T-Town. Your defense is awful. Talking about LSU's perspective here. Their defense is really good, but you know what they don't have? They do not have Jaden Daniels. And sometimes in college football, it can be as simple as what what's the difference between the two quarterbacks? And look, I like Jalen Milrow. He does a lot of good things. He's shockingly the second highest rated passer in the SEC to Jaden Daniels, but he ain't Jaden Daniels at the end of the day. So look, I'm I, I'm too close to this thing to offer any sort of analytical uh, view or 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 great take on how this is going to play out. But all I know, okay, you're a movie guy, Mike. You see Mad Max Fury Road? Of course. Okay, you know when they get out the chrome spray paint, witness me. <laughs> And then they're just going straight in, kamikaze, death run to Valhalla. That's me this weekend. Into T-Town, spray paint my teeth, and witness me as the Tigers go take down the Tide. What's up, baby? Sorry, I'm picking up my daughter from Carpool. What's up, man? Teachers are looking at me like I'm crazy because my door was open during the whole rant. <laughs> well, hey, and that, that is a perfect reference to, uh, the, you know, what I wanted to ask you next about Harold Perkins. How will they – utilize him do you think in this matchup do you do you think they use him as a spy mm. do you do you think they tell him to to to, to blitz Jalen Milrow because one thing you don't want you don't want Milrow coming out the other side because I aside from Perkins I don't know if LSU's got anyone that can that can uh, win a foot race with, against Jalen Milrow yeah I mean I think you know okay so like we, when we boil these things down um to my layman brain a spy seems like his best role right because first off, I think, you know, everybody's like, you got to get pass rush against Miller. You got to get pass rush against Miller. It's like, okay, well, everybody's gotten pass rush against Jalen Milrow, though, right? And like, <laughs> it hasn't really mattered that much at the end of the day. Like, Tennessee was living in that backfield and it didn't end up mattering in the end. So to me, yeah, it's more about forcing Alabama to play underneath you to sustain drives. When you make them do that, they are privy to mistakes. And that situation, okay, maybe uh, maybe Perkins as that spy helps to kind of cut down on these large chunk plays for Milrow, and that maybe becomes your best pass to success. But 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 Perkins is a complicated individual to judge this year, Mike. Like I I I, I, I can't remember what the exact number is, but PFF has him as maybe the highest graded linebacker in coverage in the country right now. Or, or he's like top five. Like, so he's actually been pretty damn good in coverage. He's made a lot of plays out there on the edge and like bubble screens, a lot of TM. So I, you're, you're, Harold Perkins' role will be multiple, but, but certainly this game. And really, if you look at last year's tape, he was unbelievable spying Bryce Young. Like, he made plays against Bryce Young that cut down classic Bryce Young Heisman winning plays that nobody else makes. So maybe you, uh, again, bring some of that back. I would think that, um, yeah, it, whatever. It's, it's a long-winded way of saying I don't know how they're going to use him. But to my dumb brain, it would make a lot of sense, like you said, to force him uh, to try to contain Milrow, play underneath, and make Alabama sustained drives. Yeah. Uh, and Do you think it's as simple as saying if this is a high-scoring game that, that favors LSU and they may win it, low-scoring game, Alabama, because – Oh, I Absolutely. Look- 
I look at this LSU, and everybody loves to go to 2019 LSU, and I, th I think that's wildly disrespectful uh, because I, I think that's the best college football team of all time, 2019 with Joe Burrow. But yeah, similarities in the fact that, hey, you want to cover Malik Neighbors? We got Brian Thomas. You want to cover both of them? Oh, we got Mason Taylor. Uh, oh, yeah, we got Diggs emerging now. We got a great offensive line. And if you find a way to shut all that down, Jalen – uh, Jaden Daniels would just take off on you. I mean, they have an answer yeah. for everything Alabama wants to do. Uh, so, so what's your confidence level that LSU can make it a high-scoring game against Alabama's really good defense? Uh, I mean, it was a bit higher before I talked to my gambling expert on snaps that I really trust, and he's leaning towards the Alabama play here. Basically saying, look, in Alabama, you have PFF's highest-graded secondary. LSU, a lot of what they want to do works off of inside zone. Alabama's excellence against inside zone. If you flip it, a lot of what Alabama wants to do offensively works against inside zone, and LSU's awful against inside zone. So I feel you. I do think, though, that ignores his take, ignores a bit of that LSU explosivity. And I would say this. If you're talking about 2019 LSU, yeah, like it's similar in, in all the ways that you mentioned – but they're but they're actually better in one way, and that is the offensive line. Like I would actually take this offensive line even over the nineteen offensive line, and that's going to be the key to me because if LSU can run the ball, then you have no hope of stopping them. If you can stop that run, stop Logan Diggs in the inside zone, LSU can still have success, but it's not as much of a guarantee, and it's not nearly as unstoppable. Mm -hmm. Now, Alabama's been down uh, multiple times at halftime this year. Tennessee, yeah. A&M, they've made the adjustments. They've dominated second halves of big-time matchups. If this game is tied, or or even if LSU has a lead at halftime, what's your confidence that uh, Brian Kelly and company can, can prevent Nick Saban from making all those uh, masterful moves that he's been making this season at halftime? Uh, I mean, I, I would say relatively high simply because, like, there's so much proof at this point that if you're up on Alabama and half that, it means nothing that you can't really let it go to your head, right? Like, you can't get complacent. You can't take your foot off the gas. You can't take it for granted because you've now seen three times in a row in which teams have gotten increasingly large leads only for them to dissipate in that second half. I mean, I remember talking to you during the Alabama game, Mike. I don't – maybe a little bit, maybe a small part of you, when they finally converted in the red zone right before half, maybe a small part of you wanted to give yourself over to belief. But for the most part, you were like a man who's been burned too many times. You were very hesitant to ever believe that Tennessee was actually going to win that game. And, uh, and so, yeah, like that's kind of the attitude you have to take. Like, you can't just – just believe getting in a half that okay we've arrived because no Alabama's going to to make you pay. Yeah, but if LSU wins this game, T. Bob, that'll be three out of five. They've beaten Alabama. It'll be back to back, including Ooh, a, I know. obviously at home. Will, will this be the, the that that you know dagger into Saban's uh, tiny little black heart? Uh, it, it, <laughs> whatever whatever is left after all the horcruxes and everything else that he sacrificed to get to this point yeah whatever shriveled little beating thing remains um it, it, it would be so in many ways 2019 kind of <laughs> broke the alabama curse for lsu fans but even then you go back and you lose an ex student it's like oh crap here we go again okay but then bk comes in 
and you win again. Okay, you've won two of four. And it's kind of like, okay, you know what? We've arrived. So already in a lot of ways, the 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 crimson oppression, the just boot on the neck Roman Empire hold that they had on you for about a decade, a lot of that is gone. But you're right. If you were to win this game, not only is it gone, but you're looking up and you're like, wait, hold up now. Who's the big dog? If you're going to be 2-0 and in the Brian Kelly era, winners of three of the last five, well, then all of a sudden, you know, that, that, that ain't no fluke. That ain't like – because right now I think it's more of like, well, Alabama's better year in and year out, but you're still capable of beating them, you know, every couple of years. Like if you beat them two in a row, three of five in Tuscaloosa, 2-0 uh, and under Brian Kelly, then all of a sudden you're saying, wait, actually, no. Let's go back to our preseason predictions. LSU is better. We should expect to be better. And LSU has the chance to beat them year in and year out. So no, it, it's got a, it's got some massive implications in terms of the LSU Bama psyche. Yeah, yeah. If LSU wins, uh, Alabama's dynasty is going to be on. It's a dynasty of second place in the West. So I, I can't wait for, to see that. But uh, final thing for you, T. Bob, you, have you made your prediction yet? Who, who wins on Saturday? Um, okay, so this is, again, where I'm too close to the case. And when you love something, there's almost an imperceptible line, like we said, to hate, right, and to pessimism. And so analytically, analytically, I believe the weakness of LSU is so great, whereas compared to the weakness of Alabama, like if you're only as strong as your weakest link, LSU's weakest link feels way weaker than Alabama does, right? And so that the fact that the game is in T-Town will lead me to say that I think that Alabama probably pulls off a close one. But guess what? I don't got to be an analyst with this game. I can be a fan. And so I say, F that. So like I said, we're spraying chrome, balls to the wall, kamikaze, leave it all on the line, go beat the hell out of the tide, Make Crimson cry. I want to see all those sad Surrender Cobra Alabama frat boys that are going to be somehow trying to explain to their girlfriend why they can't get it up later that night because they're so sad about the tie losing. That's what I want to see, and that's what I expect to see Saturday night, Mike. <laughs> all right. All right. You're the best, man. I, I really appreciate you, and uh, I, I guess I'll be seeing you tomorrow, man. Hold on. Hold on, boy. How, how's it? How's uh? How's it been going in the Tennessee circles enjoying that Kentucky win this week? Been feeling pretty good? Oh, we're just swimming in, in bourbon over here. We, we won a handful of bets of uh, people now that have to send us that fine Kentucky bourbon. Oh, no way. Let's go, dude. Heck yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy. 36 out of 39. You, you can't beat up. I mean, it's not even a, it's not even a competitive s- series. You know what? <laughs> I was very happy for you, dude. I was actually watching the game on my phone, putting my daughter to sleep the other night, like, yes, yes, like cheering quietly. Uh, well, yeah, Mike, I will see you tomorrow, man, and uh, you have a great weekend. Tell Cousin Shane I said, what's up? And All right, uh, y'all take it easy. All right, man. Thanks again. All right, so I appreciate you, T-Bob. In the, how about, I think that's our first carpool interview. <laughs> We've actually done a podcast. I don't know if you remember this. You were at the Wendy's drive-thru. No, it was uh, it was uh, Burger King. Oh, okay. Burger- yeah. We've done Burger King, but we've never done the carpool lane. No, no. I was there. I was like, <laughs> it was so funny. I thought I hit mute when they were asking me if I wanted any sauce for my chicken fries <laughs> or whatever it was. <laughs> oh, we've come a long way, Mike, ain't we? <laughs> in some ways, in some ways. 
But hey, we got one more uh, outstanding interview. My guy, Nate Edwards from Rock M Nation to preview this Mizzou Georgia matchup. Cannot wait for this one. All right. So, hey, one of our favorites back on the show, Nate Edwards from Rock M Nation. And hey, we were just talking off air today. I mean, this what a season it's been. And the best could be yet to come here this weekend, traveling down to what used to be number one. Apparently, I guess it's number two, uh, according to the playoff committee. But uh, the Missouri Tigers, what what's what's just the reaction from your fan base? I can only imagine how how elated they are with this season up up to this point. Yeah, man. I mean, we're we're seven and one. We're twelfth in the college football playoff ranking. We've beaten Kansas State. We hung with LSU. Beat the heck out of Kentucky and South Carolina. We're doing great. I mean, we're doing so well that we're arguing with each other on social media about whether we should go to the Tennessee game or go deer hunting instead. <laughs> so, like, we're we're in a really good spot, and uh, it's it's a special season. They don't come around all that often uh, in Columbia, Missouri. This is easily the biggest game in nine years since uh, Missouri took the field against Alabama in the 2014 SEC championship game. And uh, there's a lot of tension, a lot of anxiety, but a lot of excitement. And uh, we're ready to play, man. We're ready to play. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, obviously I, w- I want to talk some Georgia here with you, but before we get to that, Nate, I'm just curious, uh, you know, what's, what's the bigger surprise to let's go just with you here, Brady cook and his emergence or, uh, Cody Schrader in his emergence, who's he's second in the SEC right now in rushing yards. I mean, it's it's really both. But like, if you if you if you asked me, I would say it's Cody Schrader, and it's because we spent all of last year assuming that something was wrong with Brady Cook. I know the worst of Mizzou fan base is like, well, this is all he's ever going to be, just you know, a Brad Smith runner with a with a pop gun of an arm. And so it was like, all right, well, I mean, at least he's got that, right? At least he's got something that he's really good at. And Cody Schrader last year was just like, man, he needs so much blocking. He doesn't really create. If he does get out in the open, you know, he's the slowest dude on the field. Like it just, it was a great story and we loved him. Uh, it's just, you know, you always wanted like, okay, so who's the next guy up? And I, I will be the first to admit, I, I felt that all of last year. And I've even still felt that at times at the beginning of this year. That dude, uh, I don't know what's in him. He, you know, he is built like a bowling ball. He is 5'9, he is 220 pounds, and he just does not stop. And now that he's got not the best offensive line in the world, but a better one, uh, one that can run block a little bit better than last year, all of a sudden he's creating, he's grinding, he's thumping. Then he breaks one for 36 out of nowhere, and then he does it again. And it's, I did not see that coming from Cody Schrader when he committed as a walk-on from Truman State as a transfer. Did not ever imagine him leading at any point in the SEC in the rushing yards or even being in the top 10. And here he is, proving me wrong. Pride of pride of Lutheran South and St. Louis. He is, he's been great. Yeah. Well, also, uh, I think you could argue Eli Drinkwitz has been pretty great himself. Is he, I mean, you may be a little biased, but... You know, I, I, I like having you on because you are not, are not like just this crazy Mizzou homer by any means. But, I mean, it, is there any other candidate uh, for, for SEC Coach of the Year than uh, Eli at this point? I know some people make the argument for Kirby Smart. I don't get that one at all. But uh, to, to me, at this point, it's, uh, it's Eli and, and no one else. Yeah, I mean, I know I got the logo on, but uh, I, I do like to think I'm, I'm a rational thinker here. Here's here's the difference. What does SEC Coach of the Year mean to you, just the, the royal you? 
um, and ask yourself while you're listening to this, what does that mean? Is it being the best, having the best team? Does it mean winning the championship? Is it, does it mean doing more with less? And for me, now I'm a Mizzou fan. I always feel like the coach of the year should be the guy who's doing more with less or had nothing expected of him and his team. And he goes out, they go out and prove all the doubters wrong. That to me would be a coach of the year candidate. And I know that um, there's a couple of voices out there who think that Kirby smart should be sec coach of the year, national coach of the year. And it's a crime that he's not been national, but he's a great coach. He's got all the hardware. He's winning national championships and he doesn't need another one. Tell me about Eli Drinkwitz who came in to a team that had been scuffling for, you know, two straight, two straight years with under underwhelming recruiting under Barry Odom. And it takes him a while, but he, through the transfer portal, builds up some starters, through the, the high school recruiting, builds up some depth, adds key pieces, recognizes his faults, brings in an OC, finds a DC who shares his vision. Like, this is, this is what a coach of the year does. Comes out of seemingly nowhere, builds something that's impressive that shouldn't be there, and then unleashes it and is in the running in November. That, to me, is a coach of the year. And to me... Yes, it should be Eli Drinkwitz this year. Yeah. Well, all right, so let's uh, shift gears to the, the game this weekend. I, I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, you know, there's optimism of, of, among the Mizzou fan base, but that's that's the only place I'm seeing it. I mean, I, I, everybody's just looked at Georgia. They beat Florida, and for some reason we're crowning them for beating uh, a team that may finish fifth in the East. I, I'm not ready to go that far, but what, what's, the, what's the optimism, do you think, uh, just – in that locker room that they can go down to Athens and, and beat the Georgia Bulldogs after being the pretty much the only team that came close to doing it last year, at least in the regular season. Yeah. So I, I you know, for, for your listeners, I don't know how much you, you all monitor in Missouri space. I'm just going to assume zero and that's fine. Every coach has got their gimmicky saying their their thing that they thumped their chest on this year has been STP something to prove. And that's, you know, during the fall, during August camp, you're like, all right, I guess that's what it's going to be this year. It's every, always some kind of motivational thing, but they seem to have really bought into it. This team, even with the transfers coming in and some of the newer guys, it's like, no, we are Missouri. No one ever expects us to do anything. We are good. We are really good. And we need people to understand that we are good. So we're going to go out there and prove it. And that is pretty consistent messaging from, you know, interviews throughout the week to after the game, to the coaches, to the players. They're always saying, we got something to prove. We got something to prove. And so that optimism in the in the locker room is that this quiet confidence that they are better than anyone else thinks they are and are going to go out there and prove it. Um, you know, the optimism with the fan base, which is much less rational, is look at 2013. 2013, when Missouri went to Athens in the fifth game of the year, and beat a Georgia team that was good, but one of the worst records of the Mark Richt era, and maybe the most injuries of the Mark Richt era, and one of the worst defenses of this millennium that Georgia has ever put out. And again, they almost still beat Missouri on the uh, you know at home. So that is where some of that optimism comes from. Um, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm super optimistic here. I think Missouri can absolutely give them a game. Uh, I think because of last year, Georgia is very much prepared to shut Missouri down as soon as possible. They have faced what I would consider two real tests this year in Kentucky and Florida and just squashed them the second the game started. 
Um, I went back and did the math and, and a piece today. The last time Georgia lost a regular season game uh, was the 2020 COVID year. And the last time they lost the, a regular season game against a division or conference opponent was that weird 2019 loss to South Carolina team that went four and eight out of nowhere. It doesn't happen. It just does not happen. And my friend uh, Brandon Kylie on RockyOfNation.com wrote about how many times Mizzou has upset the AP number one or the AP number one on the road, which, again, has never happened. So this is a long way of saying that Kirby Smart's overdue for a loss and Mizzou's overdue for a win. Um, and even though the numbers don't point to it, uh, that's that's what we're grasping at. Is it safe to say that uh, Luther Burden will be – I mean, George is loaded. I'm not trying to – I mean, we all know, but uh, when, at least when he's on the field, is he the best, most dynamic player you think, uh, or or do you think Georgia has someone that can can match Luther Burden? I mean, we've seen Luther Burden against what I call you know blue chip uh, elite secondaries, and he went up against LSU, and he did fine. He did really well in the first half, and then kind of got uh, swallowed up by Harold Perkins in the second half. Um, but, you know, you're looking at Georgia's, you know, starting secondary anyway with like, you know, Kamari Lassiter, uh, Malachi Starks, Dalen Everett. Like these dudes are good. They're young, but they're really good. Do I think Luther can get his yards? Yes, I do think he can. Um, is he going to be the game breaker receiver? Boy, my God, fingers crossed. I hope he is. Um, it's just it's a Kirby smart defense. We all know it. We all know. We all hate it, except for you Georgia fans. Like, it's smart. It's aggressive. It doesn't make mistakes. And even if they do, it's not the same mistake twice. This is going to have to be – Luther Burns going to have to have a game. But so is Theo Weiss. So is Mookie Cooper. So is Cody Schrader. Like, we need Luther to have his game and then everyone else have a game too. Because anything – to me, anything less than an A-plus effort from any of those guys means Missouri loses. And how confident are you that the Mizzou offensive line can hold up? Because that was the critical to last week's uh, just thrashing of the Gators. I mean, they had a nice opening drive, and that was about it because their offensive line could not hold up. Uh, now, I think Missouri's offensive line is better than Florida's, but uh, where, where do you stand on that? Yeah, and Missouri's offensive line is better than it was last year, too, um, both in run blocking and pass blocking. Uh, I would say just as a general blanket statement that no offensive line is going to hold up against Georgia's defensive front. That's that's just easy money to say that. I will say, though, that Brady Cook is one of the fastest at getting rid of the ball when passing, and so he's done a good job of negating any potential weaknesses in a pass rush just by getting it out quickly, usually to Mookie Cooper, sometimes to Luther. Um, so there is that if there is a weakness, Brady's been pretty good at getting rid of it to, to avoid that big loss. The other thing, you know, the offensive line as a whole is not the best run blocking unit in the country, but the left side of the line is pretty good at run blocking. And for the most part, when Cody Schrader has gotten a big gain, it has been behind Xavier Delgado, the left guard and Javon Foster, the left tackle. So I don't think you you got to, you know, last year, I think we had 110 yards and 60 of that came from Cody Schrader's big run. You don't need, you need the to feed the threat uh, and just be there. And Cody Schrader is good at avoiding negative yards, but you just need a handful of big plays. And if they're running left, you know, maybe that might be the big chance to, to negate some of that advantage. Um, 
but of course Kirby Smart knows that already and is probably scheming to take it away. So what do I know? <laughs> I, I think they can do well, but they're certainly not going to be able to beat Georgia's defensive front. Well, I always find it annoying when we go into these games and it's Brady Cook versus Carson Beck because, I mean, obviously they're never on the field at the same time. So, uh, but considering the defenses, uh, respective defenses they'll they'll be facing. Who do you have more confidence in to have a better game on Saturday, Brady Cook or Carson Beck, who seemingly is uh, is heating up, even though his most dynamic playmaker, Brock Bowers, is is uh, inactive? Yeah, I, I'm not going to cry for for Carson Beck. He's <laughs> he's taking stats behind one of the best offensive lines in the country and throwing to a fleet of four and five star guys. Like you're doing great, man. You are. <laughs> I, 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 you know, he's young and, and this is his first go around through an SEC schedule. And I think he's doing very, very well. Brady Cook's done this before. He's seen Georgia before. He's seen most of these teams before. Um, you know, when I had an optimistic take of Mizzou to start the season, it was because, yeah, they returned almost everybody when the rest of the SEC didn't. But also they returned the oldest quarterback with multiple years of experience in at his school. In the SEC, I mean, Spencer Rattler was obviously the oldest with two years, but he was the most experienced. He's done this before. And I know that Georgia's, or Georgia's gone against a defense like Missouri's. Kentucky's is right there with Missouri as far as SP Plus goes. We're not going to talk about how many how many points Georgia scored against that Kentucky defense. I know it was a lot. <laughs> but point is, Brady Cook has seen this before. Carson Beck has seen it once. And every other defense he's played has been very malleable. So I don't know. Again, grasping at straws here. I'm looking for just the smallest of holes for like the best team in the nation. And I think there could be a little bit of a shock when he sees how aggressive Missouri can be, how competent they can be. As long as Missouri's making their tackles, they can be pretty good at stopping you too. So I think that might be the one thing I could point to, uh, to doubt Carson Beck. And that's why it makes me, of course, noted Mizzou Homer, think that Brady Cook is better prepared for this game than, than Carson Beck is. What what's the recipe for Mizzou to go on the road and pull off this? Uh, what would be a, uh, a massive is probably too strong a word, but it, you know, let's not kid ourselves. They're they're an underdog for a reason. What what's it gonna take? If if you if you could, uh, you know, b- a b- engineer the in upset here for Missouri, how does that happen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, seventeen points is a big deal, especially in a conference game. So yeah, it'd be a very big upset. Um, so Mizzou needs to do what they're comfortable with, what they what they like to do. They, what, and that's going to lead to an A-plus effort, which I said you need an A-plus effort to beat Georgia. And then you got to hope that they show up with like a B-plus or an A-minus. So what does that look like? On offense, that is big plays. Big, big, big plays. Uh, this has turned quietly, very quickly and quietly turned from an efficiency-based round-and-pound attack for three years into a chuck it deep and uh, run when the holes are there kind of offense. They are at their most comfortable and at their at their most lethal when they are generating big plays. That's stuff downfield, but it's also screens that turn into 14, 15, 25 sort of yards. And then, you know, the occasional big run from Cody Schrader on the left. So that's what the offense needs to do. Yes, they're going to get blown up a couple times. Maybe they might not connect, but if they are threatening with big plays, that's when they're most comfortable, they're most lethal. On defense, you know, Blake Baker you know, at all of his stops has always been kind of this havocky sack disruption type of DC. 
And this year he hasn't really had that same type of havoc just because he doesn't have the, the pass rush that he would like to have. So for most of the year, it's been just like kind of this amoeba competent off defense. And like sometimes they've had really bad tackling days and it's been a rough defensive day, but that havoc's starting to come back. Chris Abrams drain is picking off passes and it's rake straws. It's knocking them away. You're seeing a little bit more pressure, a little bit more sacks. Now, granted, South Carolina and Kentucky aren't the best competition. I understand that, but you're starting to see that come back. If Missouri can get that havoc, swatting away passes, tackles at or before the line, sacks, that sort of thing, that's when they are really chugging, and that's when you're putting an efficiency-based attack like Georgia behind the chains and forcing them to be one-dimensional. Not that that one dimension is bad, mind you, but it makes it a little bit easier to defend. So if they can get that pressure, get that habit going, that's when Mizzou's defense is at its best, its most comfortable, best chance of being in Georgia's offense. Mm-hmm. So, all right, moment of truth. Uh, you get what's your prediction for this game? And I, I'm not putting this out till uh, till Thursday, so I don't want to ru- ruin your official prediction or anything like that. But uh, have you made a, a who's who's winning this game? Uh, I wish I was more confident in this game there's just there's no piece of evidence that i can look at that says yeah missouri's got this now i think missouri can absolutely hang i think they can absolutely scare the heck out of them for three four quarters and that's what you're really looking for get it to the last you know five minutes and hope that something breaks your way and end of the day though i'm like i'm gonna say they have like a 24 percent, 25 percent chance of, of pulling off the upset i think the most likely outcome is probably something like Georgia 35, Missouri 21, something like that. Um, and maybe, you know, the dam breaks in the fourth quarter and they, a couple of turnovers go wrong for Mizzou and Georgia kind of pads the lead and then just kind of sits on them for the back 10. So that's that's kind of what I feel like the most realistic, most probable outcome is. Uh, in my tiny little Missouri fandom heart of hearts, I'm thinking, oh yeah, it's going to be like 42, 38. It's going to be great. Uh, but if I was a betting man, I'd say, yeah, probably like 35, 21, something like that. Yeah, well, I keep hearing all these dogs, Nate. They say, you know, Mizzou's not faced a defense like this, which is true because that's because Georgia's at elite. But I would say it's just as true that they Georgia's defense has not seen an offense like this. So strength on strength. Can't wait for this matchup. R- really appreciate your time. Uh, before you go, can you tell my audience where can they follow you and, and where can they find your work? For sure. Yeah. So rockimnation.com, everything Missouri football and Missouri basketball. Now that that's starting back up. Uh, but obviously I just covered the football. You can follow me at Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. Uh, I am on the blue sky. Also at Nate G. Edwards. I am on Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, wherever you want to go. Nate G. Edwards. It's all basically the same there. You can also find us on podcasting. We are rocket radio under the rocket nation podcasting outlet. Uh, my show is called before the box score. We talk about football all the time. Uh, a lot more during the season, of course, the off season too. Uh, and, you know, just come check out the website. Hey, you might be a South Carolina fan and hate my guts. You might be a Kentucky fan and still be sour about a couple of weeks ago. We try to be reasonable. We try to be nice people. If you come over, we like to talk about tailgating recipes and talk about how great it is to visit all the other SEC cities. So uh, it's a great place. You can find me there. We'd love to have you. Yeah, it's my go-to Missouri podcast. So I, I can't thank you enough and uh, uh, can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. M-I-Z. All right. So just want to say thanks, <laughs> Nate, for joining the show. T-Bob, t- double whammy here. Absolutely. Great episode here. Um, hopefully I can fix what 
I screwed up before, but uh, any any closing thoughts before we get out of here? No, man. This was uh, again. It's it's bittersweet, you know. I know, I know. It's getting to the end. We're in November, and you guys know what that means. Uh, but it also means that we're up against some like pivotal matchups. Yeah, and and it's like this weekend is going to break some fan bases, and it's going to make some, you know, and. I've been part of a championship run, 1998. I'll keep reliving it. But if you're a part of that run, you look back in games like this weekend and say, "Well, man, if we did, if we were this close, you know, or we, if if this didn't go our way, we never would have got to this game." So that's what I love about it. It, it is get, we're kind of funneling it in, and it's uh, it's serious football time, brother. Yeah, they remember what you do in November. Absolutely. And a lot of fan bases are going to be remembered this weekend. Absolutely. Well said. All right, so I put it on a (laughs) t-shirt. I appreciate you, buddy. I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one. See you guys. Go Vols. Hey, buddy. This beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves... That SEC podcast, Hail State.